This is the Davis and Beetle Podcast. All right, Davis and Beetle Podcast. I'm Davis. He's Beetle. Hello, Beetle. Hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Happy holidays, sir. You as well. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I guess after Thanksgiving, it, it gets to be holidays. Happy holidays, sure. right? Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. What, whatever. I whatever celebrate you celebrate. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever you celebrate. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. <laughs> and, um, boy, I wish the holiday season was better for Rockies fans, for Broncos fans. Uh, let's, let's start out with, um, let's start with some baseball, shall we, Beetle? Uh, Hot Stove Sounds League like is, uh, yeah, is uh, cooking right now. Carlos Correa signing the 13-year, $350 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. They uh, pursued Aaron Judge. Uh, quite uh, feverishly, it didn't work out for the uh, the Giants to get him. He ends up instead staying with the, the New York Yankees. But uh, I mean, this is a this is a big get. Right side of, you know, of thirty years old, he's twenty eight. A guy that certainly can. He's not going to hit you know a, a ton of home runs like Aaron Judge, but it brings in a really good bat, good defender. It's a it's a really big piece for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's a player, and and I think at one time I didn't think the Giants were even in the kind of conversation for him, but I think then after the Aaron Judge uh, things kind of played out the way they did, then obviously they they were still looking to to make a splash and bring in a bigger bat, uh, which they, they definitely did with with Correa, and uh, you know I think it it's kind of interesting to see the Giants be so active. Uh, you know, they had the, the really good playoff year, not this past season, but the season before. And then just kind of fell off the, fell off the map, so to speak, after, uh, after Buster Posey decided to hang him up and they just didn't have enough punch in that lineup to, to compete with the Dodgers and the, and the Padres. So, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting to see the Giants just jump in and be this active and they definitely look like they're going to try and make a push for the playoffs again in what's already a ridiculously tough division. So. Uh, pretty, pretty fun little arms race going on in the NL West for sure. Yeah, exactly. With the I mean, exception of one team, anyway. Yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that uh, one team that is not uh, firing a howitzer. That's more like a cap gun. We'll we'll get to the Rockies in a moment. But I, I think in the case of Correa, immediately he becomes the face of the Giants. They also get him two years younger than Aaron Judge. They get him for thirteen million dollars less. They get a guy that does bring pop to the lineup. Um, yeah, they, there's, there's just a lot of reasons to like this deal. If you're the San Francisco giants, now the question becomes, like you said, in this arms race between what the Padres did with the, with, with Alexander Bogarts, uh, coming in to, to play, leaving Boston. And then of course, what, you know, the Trey Turner gone from the Dodgers. I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's turned into now kind of a three horse race with the giants certainly firing their shot with the, with the, you know, assigning Carlos Correa and, and making them once again, a contender uh, in the national league West. Yeah. And, and like you said, that, you know, the Dodgers haven't really done anything yet to add to their roster. Although, right. you know, they had plenty, plenty of weapons, but, uh, but they're in the conversation with all these teams. You know, I think games be Swanson is out there and we'll see like, what ends up happening with him as well. But uh, just, just seeing these teams jockey, they're, they're the ones that are making all the news for the most part. So obviously the Phillies made, made a good splash by 
uh, signing Trey Turner. But for the most part, the teams that have been in, in the news for making moves and trying to improve their rosters, it's been all, all three of those teams right there. And, and so, uh, you know, I think the, the big thing in baseball right now is do you, do you spend the money for some of these top free agents if, if it's going to hamstring you for a while. So these larger markets or, or the, the owners with the, the deeper pockets, so to speak, uh, they're the ones that are making the big moves and it'll, you know, you'll have to wait and see who follows after them uh, from the standpoint of some of the, some of the roster building that's going to occur. I mean, it's already started from the, from the smaller market standpoint with, with some of the relievers that are moving around and stuff like that. But, but really, everybody's got to wait for these big names to go first, so then they can kind of figure out what it's going to cost them for some other names and, and some other prospects. So uh, that's it's been interesting to see the NL West be so competitive with each other uh, here for the last couple of years. And you know, usually it's one or two teams, but now it seems to be those three going after it as, as heavy as they can. So it just makes for a, a fun regular season and makes for a little more rivalry when it comes down to it. And what do you think about Xander Bogarts going to San Diego? That team's just, just they're just super loaded right now. It's a pretty wild uh, choice when you consider, you know, they're going to get Tatis back, not right away, but eventually. Uh, and I think it just tells you that they're willing to go ahead and, and throw Tatis in the outfield or in the DH spot uh, because he's had a little right. bit of trouble staying healthy with his shoulder. Uh, and, and he can be such a good athlete anyway so you throw him in the outfield and and uh don't worry about him playing towards probably get a guy like like xander bogart and you know xander's just a he's a different type of player but man what a just a solid steady hitter and and defender and i i was pretty shocked to be honest with you that they that they targeted him and went after him but i think it just goes to show you they're not sure what they want to do with Tatis. uh they they could end up you know getting rid of him at some point it's not going to happen this year but he, he really burned some bridges, I think, with them. And so now I think they feel like they have all the power and they can tell him, look, you have a huge contract, uh, but you've already kind of messed up the locker room a little bit with what you did last year. You're going to you're gonna play where we tell you to play. And right. we're going to try and get the most out of you however we feel like. Uh, we got a short stop now. So you don't have much power left when it comes to you know making the lineup hard. Obviously, you want that guy in your lineup, but... You know, if you hold the cards now, you can you can really do a lot of different things with that lineup too, and and I think he'll probably be okay with that as long as he gets a chance to come back. So it was an interesting signing, that's for sure. I don't think anybody saw that one coming right away. And so now, I mean, there's a guy like Dansby Swanson out there. I mean, could could the Twins now that Correa's gone? Could the, the Twins go after Dansby Swanson? What about the Orioles? There's been some talk the Orioles might be interested. It's so, so now. It looks like at least the the next you know shoe to drop here, the next piece to fall, could very well be Dansby Swanson. Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, and and I would guess uh, you know I would I would guess the Dodgers are at the top of that list. Yeah. Now, uh, but you know they they've got a lot of things to think about as well from the standpoint of of, of how much they have out there in salary. So. Uh, but obviously they, they've got the pockets to do it and they're not afraid to do it. So he, I'm sure he's there at the top of the list, but I would think after that, that yeah, uh, the twins were, uh, you know, they're, a, they're close to being a contender and the Orioles are very, very close to being a contender with young players. And, and if you're a guy like Dan to be Swanson, 
you can look at that and say, all right, I might might have a chance to be something part of something really, really good here that's more than just what the Dodgers are, are doing, which seems to be like putting together a run for one season and then trying to put together another run for one season. The Dodgers aren't really building for longevity. No. They have had good prospects and stuff like that, but that's not the way they're set up. They're set up to win right now. You can look at that situation in Baltimore if you're a guy like Dansby and go, and you can, you can be a playoff team for five, six, seven, eight years running uh, and and not have to be the key component of it. And you can just be a, a, a good, solid, uh, you know, middle-of-the-order uh, well, he's going to be more of a top of the order type of guy, but uh, you know, middle of the pack as far as your stats are concerned, they're not going to be dying for you to hit forty home runs and drive in one hundred and fifteen guys. They, they're going to have bats, and they're going to have the the lineup to do that. Uh, you you can look at that and say this is a much more you know stable place to go when it's all said and done. But really, I mean, I think if you're David B. Swanson, you're going to look at what what kind of contract can you get? And the Dodgers probably offer offer the best situation for him. So, All right, so we go from teams that have been very active contenders, not just for the playoffs or a division title, but for the World Series, to the Colorado Rockies, <laughs> who announced the signing of right-handed pitcher Pierce Johnson, one-year deal. Uh, this is from MLB.com's Thomas Harding. Uh, others are reporting it's going to be about $5, five million. Johnson can earn $750,000 performance bonuses. He's a you know, front-range kid. He prepped at Faith Christian Academy in Arvada. He spent most of his time in the National League West uh, with uh, the Padres and the, the Giants, and he was with the Padres last year and uh, spent three seasons with them, pitching just 15 games last year, this past season due to injury. But when he's been healthy, 3.39 ERA, 125 strikeouts, 44 walks, and 93 innings of relief. So, okay, it's it's not the piece that pushes the Rockies over the top here, okay? Let's let's pump the brakes on that. <laughs> but, you know, they, they bring him in, a guy that they're trying to rebuild that bullpen, and and certainly he is, you know, with, with Tyler Kinley and uh, with, with Daniel Bard. I mean, they feel like that they've they've got some pieces in the bullpen, and and Johnson makes a return home, and you know maybe Pierce Johnson becomes a, a good piece in that bullpen. But once again, we're we're talking about Xander Bogart, Xander Bogarts going to San Diego, and you know Carlos Correa signing with the Giants. This is what we're talking about: with the Rockies, Pierce Johnson, and it. And you're just yeah. kind of going, okay, sure. I mean, anymore, I just it's to me, it's a, everything the Rockies do. Broncos are starting to get there for me. It's a shoulder shrug. It's like, okay, I guess so. I guess this is what this is what we have to live with now. And yeah. um I, I just it's it's disappointing where you look at Bill Bill Schmidt who makes the comment. I think we talked about the last podcast we did. Well, you know, there's you know, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, there's you know, there's some some undiscovered, you know, talent in this baseball team and this this organization that that people don't know about and Oh, stop it, Bill! Stop it! I it's just it's just frustrating to see this team, you know, waste its money on Chris Bryant. Hopefully, maybe this year it won't be a waste. Maybe Chris Bryant will have a really good season, and ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. But I, I just this is this is the move the Rockies make when everybody else in the division, you know, well the the Padres and Giants are making these 
blockbuster big deals to impact their roster with top name talent. And, and the Rockies go bargain shopping at, you know, Dollar General for Pierce Johnson. I, I go there every now and then, but, uh, <laughs> so as uh, I do, I think, I'm not, I'm not going to knock Dollar General. It's, uh, uh it's quite, it's quality. Just, uh, just, yeah. Yeah. There you go. But, uh, you know, I think the, the biggest disappointment for me, not, not isn't that they signed a, a bullpen arm. They need those. They, they need, they, they do sure need those. And, and, uh, but this you know, is it though. I'm this always, is the only thing they're doing. Beer. Right. This is it. Yeah. That's the disappointment, right? Like you had, uh, well, you, you had people out there and available now, whether they want to come, uh, they may have pulled, pulled the Rockies yeah. early. Hey, we're not coming there. It will pass. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But there, there's been some, some players out there. And, and the one in particular that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was, was Brandon Nimmo. And I, and he's a perfect fit for, for the Rockies and they could have, probably had him I, don't, I can't imagine that Nimmo took them off the table now whatever he, I don't know how those conversations go that's the one thing you don't know True. Uh, is, is what it's said at those in those conversations uh when it comes to you know the players wants uh from that side of things so that's the one mystery that you don't know but but they started out as kind of contenders for a, a guy like that and then just disappeared completely yeah. like just didn't even like they they weren't even on the list anymore after after the first few days of of free agency so you know it just those are the disappointing things when you see and know that there's players that a are a good fit for your ballpark and your organization and b probably are willing to come to to Colorado and be a, and be a player because they're either have a relationship there or they grew up close there obviously Brandon is a is a, a Rockies fan uh, growing up in Cheyenne but but he that drives me crazy is, is you don't seem to be identifying guys that fit. And instead you find guys like Chris Bryant, like, like yeah. you said, I hope it works out. It could, uh, I doubt it, but it could work out uh, for the next year. I mean, that was, that was a shocking move for them last year. And you kind of got excited because you're like, wow, Chris Bryant. But then when you look back at it, you're like, Oh, that wasn't really that great of a fit for what yeah. they were looking for and what they needed. And it turned out that it was a terrible fit because yeah. he couldn't stay healthy and he wasn't he wasn't what they needed. So uh, you know, I just they they seem to disappoint in the in the planning stage. Not even necessarily who they sign. It's the the planning stages of it. You're like you don't get an idea of what they're even trying to do. Let's move on to another disappointing team that you and I <laughs> both root for, and that would be the Denver Broncos. Um, you know, I. Boy, I know when I hope Russ, Russell Wilson's going to be okay. Uh, sounds like that he, he's probably not going to play Sunday against the Cardinals. So you're going to see the battle of the backups, Brett Rippon against Colt McCoy with uh, Kyler Murray done for the year with the ACL tearing his knee. But I think we did see things prior to Russ taking that, that big hit that, that were encouraging. And, was, and, and Russ's mobility looked more like the Russell Wilson we've seen. The decision-making was better. When they get the ball to Jerry Judy, that offense clicks. And you get Dolchich going a little bit, but but Jerry Judy with the three-touchdown day, it just seemed like there's something there to build off of for 2023, regardless what you know what, what happens with, with Nathaniel Hackett. I, I think Hackett's probably gone, and I don't care what happens the rest of the way. I think he's probably done. But when they, they do something like this, this is where I just go, and I like George Payton. I think George Payton's done a, a really good job for the most part. 
until this year. Now, you know, the questions about the extension for Russ and all that. But uh, Natani Muti, the Raiders signed him off the practice squad. Moody played Sunday for the first time. He had to come in for Jake Wattenberg, who's getting his ass shoved all the way back to C four seventy. I mean, by by Frank Clark and 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 Chris Jones, and I mean they made Luke Wattenberg start to look like a really bad pick for the Broncos. And so Moody comes in and does a pretty nice job in that in that left guard spot, you know, filling in for Dalton Reisner and replacing Wattenberg, like I said, who just who got you know got atomic wedgied by by the Chiefs' offensive line or defensive line throughout that game. And and so what do the Broncos do? They put him back in the practice squad, and the Raiders go get him. I mean, here's a guy that you want to, I think, take a look at for the rest of the season because this offensive line is going to look different next year. And and Numuti could play a role in that. Or just hell about right now about protecting Russ when Russ is playing. You you have to have better people up front. You have to have better bodies than... And, and more experience than a guy like Luke Wattenberg. And I, I just, it just boggles my mind that the Broncos didn't, didn't protect Natani Moody better than what they did when, when they need offensive line right now. And they need, they need help up there. And I just, once again, I just want to bash my head on the edge of my desk. Whenever I, I, I see stuff like this, it's like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And it's the same argument, right? What, what's the plan? Because what's the plan? I totally yeah, ex- I would totally understand it if you had two or three guys coming off the off the injury sure. list next week, and and you just didn't have room for them. Like, okay, I get it. If your your starters are coming back, they're not coming back. No, they're not coming back. They're they're not going to be here next year. Most of them. Uh, why wouldn't you take a, a look at this guy? Take a flyer on him and and see if he can perform for a couple straight weeks and. I don't get it. I, I'm with you. I just don't understand uh, some of those moves. And I think the nice part about you know that game obviously was you finally saw uh, what you thought Russ was going to bring to the yep. table, and it was still spotty. Don't get me wrong; it was a slow start. There was a pick six in the middle of that. It was ugly, and so then there was nothing else left to lose. But uh, you, you saw him moving around. The ball was coming out of his hand uh, uh, much uh, at a much higher velocity, I thought, last week than I'd seen it for most of the year. Uh, he was certainly not perfect, don't get me wrong, but it just looked like they had a little bit different uh, right. chemistry going on. Like you said, they, 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 made, they made the screen game part of it, which was nice to see, and they made Jerry Judy part of it, uh, which you know has to happen. He's the only guy you got left, pretty much catching yeah. the ball between him and Dolphich. So they they brought so, in uh, you know, they they brought in Fred Swain. Yeah, you know who Fred yeah. Swain is. You know he he played with with Russ in, in Seattle, but he, they sent him off the Dolphins practice squad. I mean, Hinton's got a now he's got a hamstring problem. Sutton, I believe, as we record this on a Wednesday, he didn't practice today. I mean, they're they're thin at, at wide receiver yeah. right now, but. It it looked miserable, didn't it? Like that roster, when going into that game, even with Judy and and, uh, uh, Russ Wilson playing and playing well and all that stuff, it still looked, it just looked miserable when you compared the two teams. You're like, oh my God, this is not even like, this is a high school team out here. It just didn't even look right. So to see him have that life was really nice. Because you're like, all right, well, this guy is able to elevate 
this team a little bit, and he did. He absolutely did. Russ played well during that little stretch of that flurry of touchdowns, which is the most we've seen all year. And and obviously Judy played really well in that as well. But the run game wasn't bad. The screen game was really good. Yeah, Marlon Mack, yeah, kind of in tune, and and it was going well. And and he elevated them. And because that that roster was awful, it was terrible, and it's going to be terrible again this week. Yeah. But he elevated it to a point where you're like, all right, well, that guy can do it. That's what you've been waiting to see at the very least all year. Is, uh, yeah, I did. Elevated feet. Yeah, and I think that the hamstring problem for us has been a bigger issue than, than we've been led to believe because it, he looked physically better just moving around, making plays. And, 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 I, and I think that that's been a problem for him the last few games. And, you know, since that that trip to London, where that that hamstring has been a problem, and it, I mean, on the surface it looked like, hey, maybe that's healed up a little bit, and that certainly helped him on Sunday. And now, though, after the you know he's in the concussion protocol, it's uh, you know, it's it's doubtful. I'm not going to say no way, but but highly unlikely, bordering on not going to happen for him to play Sunday against the Cardinals, and they get to take on Vance Joseph because let us not forget when Vance was there, every week was a great week of practice. How could they have lost a football game? Because they practiced so damn well when he was there in his 21st ranked uh, defense in, in Arizona. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Let's talk about there, is, I'm sorry, are go ahead. These, uh, those are the two most disappointing teams, though. Really, honestly. Yeah. Like, there, there's there's teams that have been worse. No, maybe not much more not much worse than the Broncos have been. But as far as like just disappointing expectations, so I think these two teams are. Yeah, they, I would, they I, take the cake this year. I would put the Colts in that category, too, because I think a lot of people, including yeah. us on our, our yeah. local show, we thought the Colts would win the South. You know, adding Matt Ryan yeah. and that run game with Jonathan Taylor, really good offensive line. Defense is pretty good with Leonard and those guys, and they've been a <laughs> Jeff Saturday coach, coaching him. Uh, just, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah. Anyway. It's also um, been a disaster. You're right. It's been a disaster with, with some pretty good expectations for that team. Moving forward. All right, so we're into bowl season. Outside of the Wyoming game, and of course the, the college football <laughs> playoff games. Okay. The bowl game you're the most intrigued to watch would be blank. Uh well, on Saturday, the Las Vegas Bowl. I wanna I wanna see the rise of the beaver, Jim. The rise of the oh, beaver. Of course. How could I forget? <laughs> your your love of Oregon State. I do. I, I I do find this interesting though to see. Uh, like Jonathan Smith has something going. They're they're starting to pop up on a lot of uh, the recruiting radars of of kids that they didn't pop up on before, and and so he's got a little something going in in Corvallis. There, it's a really difficult place to keep it sustained, and that's been proven over time. You know, they've had they've had great years with Dennis Erickson when when he was there. They had some good years with Mike Riley. But they never have been able to sustain it. Well, this is two years in a row now with with Jonathan Smith that they've been pretty good. They were very good this year. They were they were a player two away from from being a, a eleven win team probably. So that will be fun to watch to see if they yeah. continue that culture. They play in Florida, which I don't know they're they're going to be without their quarterback. He, he's gone. He's going to the draft. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you never know. You know, in bowl games, who what team's going to show up? I never think there's a whole lot to be uh, taken from a bowl game, but he seems to have some culture going right now that is uh, unlikely something they've had for a while there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they showed up and just beat the brakes off of Florida. They seem to have a little something going on. 
so I'm entertained by that one. But other than that, not very many, if we're being honest. There's, there's not there's not a lot of intriguing matchups out there, other well, than uh, maybe the two lane ones. That'll be kind of fun. You always want to root for for the little guy, right? Sure, absolutely. And and do you know the the Grand Valley connection to Oregon State? Oh well, the, there's a Musgrave on that roster. Uh, I know that much. Uh, I don't know whether and is it Bill's kid? I can't remember which kid it is, but but there's also but also John Boyer, oh. former Palisade quarterback, yeah. uh, CSU yeah, yeah. Northern Colorado quarterback. He was on Mesa staff for Joe, but uh, John's yeah. on that staff out in Oregon oh, with Jonathan Smith. So there's there you go. There's a couple couple tie-ins. I think I think for me. I've got, I've got, I've got a few more games than you that I'm, I'm that, you know, color me intrigued Alabama, Kansas state, not just for our, our, our good friend, Wyatt Thompson, but Kansas state with that win over TCU in the big 12 title game. Um, you know, Will Howard's, you know, had a, an outstanding season for them. You got Max Marsh that played at central on that, on that team at Kansas state. I think it's gonna be kind of fun to see, the Wildcats go up against, you know, the Darth Vader of college football and, uh, of course, Nick Saban in Alabama. I think that could be a fun game. I also kind of have my eyes a little bit on, on the Liberty Bowl, Kansas, Arkansas. Yeah, a couple of six and six football teams, but I guess I'm in love with the Sunflower State uh, during this bowl season. But just to, to watch Jalen Daniels and, and Kansas playing a bowl game, I think could be kind of interesting. And probably the last one is the Alamo Bowl, Texas, Washington, because Michael Penix Jr., he's gonna he's gonna be one of the top players drafted potentially in the twenty twenty four draft. You know, former Indiana quarterback had a really good season in Washington, put up some very impressive numbers, and and he's a guy that you, I think you, you keep an eye on moving into next season in the Pac twelve and in the Heisman Trophy conversation. You know, a little uh, little preview maybe of what happens next year with Michael Penix Jr. quarterbacking to Washington. So those uh, could be a lot of fun. So to wrap it up here. Mike Leach passing away at the age of 61. Uh, I guess your take on Mike Leach, because he, he played such a big role in, in growing Hal Mummy's air raid offense and, and the Mike Leach coaching tree, a guy that could be hilarious, a guy that also could be polarizing at times with his players. Just your thought about uh, the passing of Mike Leach. Yeah, well, I, I think Mike Leach is one of the absolute greats of college football and not just because of the, you know, the innovative style uh, that he had and not just because of his personality. He was, he was just such an eclectic person overall, just, just overall. And, and he's a Wyoming guy. So obviously I, I love him for that as well. Uh, he was my friend, Scott Stockhill's little, little league coach back in the day uh, <laughs> in, up in Cody, Wyoming. <laughs> so, but He's really genuinely that person that you see in all these clips. You know, you've seen a million of them this week, obviously, uh, of, of all the, you know, between the, the Ralphie's the best mascot in the world or the Halloween candy or his thoughts on marriage. And right. Stuff like that. That's, that is who this person is, whether he's talking to a microphone on college game day or whether he's talking to me sitting at the bar. That's, that's who he is. Right. He is just an odd thinker, uh, and and to say the least is is probably that's probably not doing it justice. And and he's he's so so very well liked amongst the people that that really got to know him. 
from the standpoint of, of the college football game. He, I don't think he cared ever whether he was a head coach or not. I don't think he cared ever what school it was at. I truly don't believe he did. Obviously, there's a lot of things that go into a lot of different decisions and, and how you end up where you end up with the, the, the networking that goes on across college sports. But I honestly don't think he would have been any different at, you know, Montana State or or Mississippi State. He's just that kind of person. He didn't change hardly at all. The whole Texas Tech thing didn't end all that well. Yeah. And it kind of gave him a bad rap, and I don't think it was fair uh, from from the standpoint of of how that ended. But what a what an interesting character and college football just won't be the same. It just won't because yeah. he's, he he was a dissenting voice like. When everybody else is intense and and after the money and after the titles, he was just kind of out there doing his thing. He didn't really care what you thought of it. And, and you know, if you got to know him, you'd understand that he was probably a pretty, pretty generous, pretty uh, well thought out individual, just a little eclectic, just different than the, than the rest of the crew. And uh, yeah, he's going to be missed. That's a really sad, uh, really sad story to lose him this no week. No doubt. Yeah, tough, tough loss for college football. And I always like what he said about coffee. Don't put any sweetener in it. It's supposed to be bitter <laughs> and horrible. So just, uh, yeah. of course, I don't drink it, but I always thought that was kind of a funny take on coffee from, from Mike Leach. Hey, Beetle, appreciate it. I'm sorry, go ahead. Not, as, as you just said, it was not said to be funny. Guaranteed. No, he's that's, that's dead serious about it. He doesn't really say much to be funny. He knows he's funny, but he's very just, that's how he thinks it's coming out of his it's going through his head and coming out and that's just what he thinks at that moment and <laughs> it's not a not a not a person like him in the world no doubt about it a a true true uh eclectic odd guy that uh could just you know just make you laugh your your, your butt off when and also blow the doors off a lot of defenses over the years as well hey beetle appreciate yeah. it man talk to you soon okay This is the Davison Beetle Podcast.